Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. On Demic. Oh, no. Everything is Demic. <laughs> you already went there. I'm already there. We and maybe that's the that's the end story, I don't know. But we have we have a pandemic. We have endemic. We've learned a new term through our guest who you'll introduce in a second with an infodemic. Yep. But what what the heck is that? Um that's, that's my question. Yeah, by definition, if it's endemic, it means it's in the system and we're not going to get really rid of it. We're just going to have to deal with it. I guess I've learned this scientific term lately from the pandemic. But in this case, of course, we're not a medical publication. We talk about cybersecurity, technology and society. And this channel uh, is the redefining society. And this topic is, uh, is about uh, misinformation, disinformation, and fake news. And uh, it was inspired by an article that our guest uh, wrote. And uh, the title is interesting. is The Three Horsemen of Cyber Risk. And this is the misinformation, disinformation, and fake news. So I think there is a story here, Sean. I think there is. Let's, uh, let's saddle up on the three horsemen. Let's do that. So I'm going to go ahead and without further ado, our guest today is Dr. Pythagoras Petratos. He's a, an economist and political scientist at the UK's Coventry University of Business. So uh, Pythagoras, welcome. Uh, thank you very much for the invitation. And um, I welcome also uh, the audience. And normally academics are viewed as very technical. But I thought of writing a primary because this is a very important issue, which does not only concern um, the government, it concerns also businesses and small and medium-sized enterprises, but the whole of society too. So I think uh, it academics sometimes would uh, uh, present information and good information to the society. That is certainly very important. And I have to say this uh, has been kind of our mission since the beginning of the magazine many years ago, where we try at the beginning to break down the, the cybersecurity lingo and, uh, and knowledge to, 
to the masses that they could understand it. Then we open it up to technology and how can you not connect everything with society? So I guess, Sean, why don't we just start with the definition of this? So we, we make it clear, although I think it's a gray area. So maybe maybe Dr. Pythagoras can give us a... Yeah, what what color of gray are you going to paint, paint <laughs> us with today? How gray is that? <laughs> so misinformation, disinformation, fake news. Can, can you help us and our audience to define that? Um, yes, definitely. Um, one of the earliest concepts is um, misinformation, which in simple terms by the Oxford English Dictionary is wrong or misleading information. Um, in um, the late 20th century, uh, because we had um, the yellow press, as it is known in the United States, uh, we came into the term of fake news. And fake news was uh, remarkably uh, con connected with business. And uh, it's very strange that, that um, this term has not been analyzed in concern to business and society. And of course, this information is probably uh, the trickiest of the terms, and it involves the participation of um, adversaries or organized, it might be organized crime, it might be nation states, who act, who, who try on purpose to provide um, wrong information. Uh, this might be because of military operations. It might be uh, to have gains in public opinion. It might be uh, for many reasons. So, and, and these terms coincide with each other. Uh, fake news in United States, it might come as just simple wrong information, but on the other hand, uh, we should not neglect that it uh, might come from foreign adversaries who are trying to influence public opinion and voting and democra democracy in Western societies. And Pythagoras, the, the, the term fake news to me conjures up the concept of marketing, right? It, it, to me, it's a mixture of marketing activities connected to information that somebody wants people to uh, absorb and then more importantly take action on right and to your point the, this can come from sources we know or don't know some sources we do know and perhaps adversarial sources so how, mm -hmm. your perspective on this combination of quote-unquote news that has this marketing wrapper around it that maybe shields some of the real news and, and introduces the option for fake news to surface? Mm. Um, actually, what you mentioned as the source is extremely important. First of all, in every information, the source is, you know, the reliability of the source is probably the most important. Um, you know, if you read from Reuters or other news agencies, which for many years, and Reuters is a specific case because actually uh, it came out of the fake news and the uh, yellow press um, uh, that existed um, a century ago uh, in in United States, but also in other countries. So it's the reliability of, uh, of the source, uh, first of all, which plays an important role. Another interesting aspect uh, that we analyze in cybersecurity is also the anonymity. Um, who says that? And sometimes we see information that comes out of nowhere. We don't know the source. We don't know who said that. 
Um, and sometimes, even worse, uh, someone pretends to be someone else. And this is when it's it can become very harmful. For example, if I believe that this information comes from a friend of mine and it doesn't come, and my friend says, you know, buy this thing, you know, I believe in my friend, I, I value his opinion. And, you know, if I buy this item, uh, it means that's a good item, but it might not be. And someone else, because someone else has pretended uh, to be my friend. Uh, and there are so many complexities. Uh, so one of the main issues is the un anonymity and the source of this information. And if it's an adversary, which means that it's a more sophisticated, we are talking about foreign governments, uh, it can be really uh, dangerous. And it might force actually people to do things which can be illegal. It does make me think about one, one quote from advertising, which uh, I think it was said by uh, David Ogilvy back in the 50s and 60s. It was about the word of mouth is the strongest form of advertising. It's mm -hmm. just we don't have a way to amplify that. That was the 50s. Now we have social media <laughs> and we found a way to amplify that word of mouth. So verifying the source and that the source of the source of the source has always been the main job of journalists that wants to you know, call themselves uh, such, right? Nowadays, everybody is a journalist. Everybody is, has an audience, it makes a claim. How do we, do we verify that? So bring these for me, baby, in what you define kind of like uh, industry 4.0 in your, in your article and, and how this come together on this being a, a liability and a risk for the business itself. Um, what you have just described, I think that journalists play an important role. And it's not only, uh, journalists are not only important, the role of the journalist is not only important um, for news, uh, it is also important for democracy. So, um, and providing and investigating, and their specialization also within journalism. Having said that, uh, what you have highlighted that everyone is a journalist. Um, I don't think that everyone is a journalist because they don't have the proper training. I they pretend to be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and, and training and standards, because especially standards, how you report news, and there are specific standards in journalism of how and the code of ethics in, in journalism. But also, um, uh, they investigate the sources where these news are coming from. So being a journalist, actually, it's a very complicated. And uh, I think sometimes that um, Pretending that uh, someone is a journalist could uh, provide uh, really bad news to the audience. And this might uh, need further standards to define who is a journalist and what are the social media channels and how this information is amplified. Uh, and we, we might talk also about a kind of redefinition of the role of journalists or having more specializations. Now we have social media journalists. What should social media journalists know about the technical? It was a completely different profession, profession probably. And again, I'm not an expert on journalists, but I'm just throwing some ideas to you and your audience. And who is a journalist to, uh, to trust? 
this is also very important. Uh, which opinion do you value more? Um, and, and unfortunately, some journalists are also victims to fake news and misleading information. And uh, it's not their fault. Uh, it has been disseminated and has been very, very, I will say, um, successfully disseminated uh, in, the, in the social media or other sources that it's very hard nowadays to distinguish between, between fake news and real news. And this is a challenge that our societies face. And Pythagoras, when we, or at least when I look at the, the, the concepts of fake news and misinformation and disinformation, the first thing that comes to mind is kind of the big broad picture of national security and politics and elections and those types of things that have wide broad strokes impact on society. And I'm wondering if you can bring us down a level to where maybe there are smaller events, smaller activities, slivers of misinformation that are impacting businesses where they're not so big and scary that they're not getting our attention, but collectively those things could really do damage for a business. I don't know if it's competitive stuff or, mm-hmm or just uh, bots running running information around and, and spreading information. I don't know if you can bring it down a level to maybe the less scary but still impactful scenarios that, you're, that you consider. Thank you. And this is an excellent question. And this is actually what I have done in my study. Um, although that I recognize that the problem of fake news, this is more of a political uh, problem, a national security problem up to a level. And it has been politicized, so I don't want to talk about that. But it, it's part of the equation. But what I have tried to do uh, in my research is to identify um, some problems that um, misinformation, fake news and disinformation can cause to businesses. Uh, and when uh, fake news was firstly quoted, uh, the story is um, it, it, it concerned uh, a mine in Minnesota. And I suspect uh, that it was about investing in this mine. So it was saying that, you know, there is a new mine that we found. So it was a kind of, it, it might be considered as a kind of um, scam to... Uh, for investors to get involved in this project. And and this is just one case. The same can happen today. You might see fake news or misinformation um, about a very good investment. And you might say, oh, this is a fantastic investment. It has provided returns of 10%, 15% every year, or I can double my money in five years. Um, And this is something that happens, I will say, it's not unusual. And we all probably have seen advertisements like that, going back to your uh, uh, comment about advertising. And we should actually know where this information is coming from, who is responsible. And there is definitely financial regulation um, which uh, tries to prevent that. Have we managed to do that? Um, We are, unfortunately, um, these cyber risks and uh, misleading information um, disseminates very fast. It's very hard uh, to to follow. And part of my suggestions and recommendation is that we should invest more and governments should do more in order to tackle this problem and protect consumers and the society. Are we leaving this to the government or do we believe that the business themselves can shield 
this problem, educating, training their employees as, you know, let's face it, let's give the name that it is. Social engineering is part of cybersecurity and cybercrime. So uh, do we leave it to the government? Do we need the regulation? Or can we expect businesses to take care of this themselves? Um, I think uh, part of the regulation is already there. Uh, the problem is that we do not have the capacity and the resources in many cases to deal with that. Especially during uh, the COVID-19 crisis, we have seen a massive rise in cybercrime. We have seen uh, cybercrime uh, uh, 400% up, and it's becoming more sophisticated and targeting, and it's using this type of misinformation um, social engineering um, to uh, to involve people, uh, and it is both the government and also uh, the enterprises. And a lot of enterprises uh, they are becoming aware uh, of these dangers. And big enterprises are more sophisticated. The real question is how small and medium-sized enterprises uh, and smaller enterprises could adapt to this new environment. And I think we should create tools. The government might have a role, um, for example, provided some incentives like uh, tax credits uh, for the for these businesses to improve their cybersecurity, to improve their communication channels. I think everyone could play a role. And the issue is how we create partnerships between the government, between the enterprises, between journalists, who are extremely important between advertising agencies, between social media. How do we create these partnerships to deal with this increasingly uh, uh, issue? Uh, it, I think it's, uh, it, and, and this is part of my research. And uh, one of suggestion is to create uh, partnerships for uh, increasing capacity. But what type of partnerships? This is a, a question that remains and I hope to research further in the future. And, um, you know, um, we see also the landscape, the business landscape changing, but also uh, the social media um, technology is changing everything and how these partnerships could change over the years. So we're not, we're talking about a very dynamic environment. These are some of the answers that, um, you know, uh, I believe that everyone should think about, both the government, uh, enterprises, and the whole of society. And, and everyone could help on that with training on cybersecurity. So is it, uh, well, I guess you, you kind of touched on a little bit, but the, the role of technology here, um, you can be, I, I believe it's a big, big enough problem that people alone probably can't tackle this and Policy from government probably can't control it either. So I'm wondering your view on technology's role in, I'll say, cleansing <laughs> information or, or perhaps uh, helping businesses to define their operations and decision-making to either rely less on information where it doesn't need to or validate the source of the information and the accuracy of the information as it's trying to make those decisions. Do you see technology playing a role there? I definitely see technology playing a role there. The validity of information, the source of information, as you mentioned, and as we uh, discussed uh, earlier, is very important. Um, the best solution for uh, these problems and these risks is more technology. So we can use technology, and there are already some technologies 
that can help uh, in uh, checking for this information. There are specific tools um, that actually can double check if this information is accurate. Uh, we have already some tools, but again, are these tools enough? Uh, probably not, uh, since we see that there are more and more uh, risks. And the question is investing more to, to new technologies uh, to, to counter these, uh, these attacks, these, uh, these risks of uh, misinformation and disinformation. And uh, I could mention some, te some uh, technologies. Uh, artificial intelligence, of course, could identify some um, uh, misinformation. Uh, we have credibility scoring, disinformation tracking, uh, verification, whitelisting. Uh, there is a range of technologies. Um, that uh, could combat uh, misinformation, disinformation, and fake news. Yeah, I guess we, when we get towards the end, we'll probably can give uh, some uh, some advice and and tips on how to do this, especially for small and medium businesses that we know are part of our audience. But I want to backtrack a little bit on on the article that you wrote because I find that from a sociological perspective. Uh, really interesting. When you when you talk about Industry 4.0, you also describe it as this integration of physical, biological, and digital system under one roof. Talking about complexity, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. we we have a synergy, an environment that is rich, that is thriving. If we want to think about a bio biological environment, right? But now we're mixed with technology, with business with business goal and, and, and humans. So can you tell me a little bit more how this, I don't know, big change in, in, in the way that we even do the business has maybe made the problem of misinformation even bigger than, than what it used to be? Definitely. Uh, the, the simplest example is social media. So now we have more and more channels of communication. In the past, we have traditional news, uh, you were getting a newspaper, you read the news. So if it was, if the news were not accurate, uh, then you could complain to the newspaper. There was only one channel. We didn't see this quick dissemination. What happens now with social media is, for example, there is a channel, there is a news channel, and immediately another channel is reproducing this potential misinformation and many more channels. So we see amplification and very quick amplification. So it's very hard to react um, quickly enough to prevent uh, this, this misinformation or fake news from disseminating. Of course, there are tools, and this is how technology could help us in tracking and preventing and identifying uh, very quickly where this um, misinformation is disseminating. But this is just one example. As you mentioned, we have all this integration in, in, in uh, industry uh, 4.0. We have all this integration of different systems and channels. So we don't know how this misinformation could disseminate in which channels. And as we see more integration, imagine that we pack a lot of things and we create additional connections with different devices. For example, you could get the same uh, disinformation in your mobile phone, in your email, um, in, in different devices that you have. This is a simple example. And you might get that in, um, 
you know, your social media profiles and uh, you might just send an email and disseminate it further. And of course, uh, I could mention some other cybersecurity threats that someone could uh, use your computer without knowing or your social media accounts, etc., or fake, uh, fake accounts to, to do that. So we are getting well, I actually want to take you there, Pythagoras, because yeah. uh, I'm I, 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 looking at this thinking, okay, business email compromise or ransomware attacks could mm -hmm. use information collected from social media sources mm -hmm. to then use that information to target a company and, and hold them for ransom or extract money from their, their accounts. Are those good examples or are there other things that, businesses aren't thinking about uh, is there is there a risk that you can define from where the misinformation is coming from what it is how people act react to it and the impact it has on the business can you walk us through a scenario yes for example uh, imagine that you have you know a pizzeria in your neighborhood and someone with a fake profile says you know i had a food poison from this pizzeria and you know it's really bad it's really terrible and uh, this malicious person who might be someone from outside you know name who you know i'm talking about the pizzeria someone who don't like the person who owns the pizzeria you know it might be personal it might be you know competition it might be also you know, and we think the neighborhood pizzeria we might think in big corporations it might be a foreign corporation trying to disseminate fake news and misinformation to say that your product or your services are not good. So there might be fake profiles being created and saying something like that. Immediately, there is a reputation problem and a reputation risk. You know, who will buy from your pizzeria pizza next day? <laughs> you know, if this person continues and, you know, it could be even worse if they can identify the social media accounts of your customers going to more sophisticated uh, uh, fake news or cyber attacks and disseminate this information to other channels. Um, so this is uh, really dangerous and it can start from a very simple case with a fake um, social media profile putting some comments about your business. And there is significant reputational risk. How can you erase that? You have to go back to social media to prove that this is a fake account. It needs days. You know, I don't know how much time uh, this might require and how easy it is to identify, but there might be already some harm to your business. Hmm. You know, you touch a problem that for Sean is very relevant. It is. You, you pizza. talked about pizza. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> for everyone. Don't mess with my food. Sean is an expert in cybersecurity and. And sometimes food. pizza may be a bigger issue than infrastructure here. <laughs> no, but it, infrastructure. It, it's a very simple um, example that it, it, it's easy to understand for everyone, right? I mean, how do you contain that? One thing is when back in the days before the social media, somebody will go and go to his friend again, word of mouth and say, ah, I didn't like that pizza. Okay, I'm never going to go there. But it's one person, maybe two, maybe three. Now you can really weaponize that to mm. to the next level so it, technology can help uh, probably mostly when you talk about big media structure or 
maybe not media, but, you know, technology company like Facebook and like Twitter and that, that are the channel for this, they, can, they, they are doing something to, to block at the origin a lot of this problem. But when it comes there's so to- many channels, Marco. And then, exactly. And then how many? Yeah. How many are? Is the company monitoring? Are they monitoring all the public or the underground one? I don't know. Yeah. The, the, and imagine how easy it is to create an account. You know, yeah. to create a fake yeah. account. You know, someone from let's say you know how far abroad from a foreign country could create you know accounts very easily. Mm-hmm. So the big question for me is is always if everybody would read three newspaper this source is this news seems a little too weird let me check on the more official source i think we could contain this problem much much better but it seems to me that i don't want to point the finger to a weak link in in the chain which is the human element of those that reads and believe pretty much everything but what can we do as a society uh, the only thing I can think about is education, but uh, I don't know. What's yeah, your thought? Barely, on? I barely have time to read one. How are you going to read three? No, so. barely have time to read a headline and <laughs> share it with all your friends without right. not even reading the article. <laughs> That's the big problem. I didn't even read that. Read the headline and just share it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your, what's your thought on that? Yes, um, I think education is extremely important, um, and. We, we should think also that uh, the yellow press, and I, I have some hope about society realizing what is, is going on. And we I think everyone is becoming more aware of cyber risks and fake news. And these have been presented uh, and have analyzed uh, also in the press and journalists play an important role in analyzing, um, analyzing them. So the public has been better educated. Do we need more education? I, I will argue yes. Um, another issue that we that could help is technologies, as I mentioned before. We might see some technologies which might be more usable, so we can identify the source of information. It might indicate the source of information. Um, again, this is subject to um, we might see a new technology coming up. Uh, this is part of innovation process. I, I can see blockchain in the news. So you yes. can actually see who said that just on a public place and be like, nope, this has been flagged, so not going exactly. anywhere. Exactly, and blockchain is essentially a cybersecurity. Uh, it, it's it's a cryptography. Uh, so it um, makes sure that uh, there is integrity in the source. So you can verify that. <laughs> I think that's a great example, uh, Marco, <laughs> of blockchain. Um, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, still, um, you still have the uh the garbage in garbage out uh challenge mm-hmm. even yes. even if it's been validated and tagged mm-hmm. uh, it uh, can be validated yes. and tagged as garbage <laughs> uh, you talked earlier also about the role of the government and i think there is tendency uh, of the governments to promote curricula in schools and universities uh, concerning these issues. So we will see uh, also change um, uh, coming from, from these innovations in curriculum. We have a long way to go and there are always challenges. But as I said before, uh, the hope I have is we have periods, you know, as the yellow uh, press in the United States, which was very popular for a uh, couple of decades. But what happened then? Um, 
people realized that this was not the proper way. So then, uh, and this is how Reuters and other and Associated Press and uh, other media outlets, which are considered uh, very sound, uh, became more popular because there was more demand for better information by the public. Of course, we have the phenomenon of yellow press and we live in free societies and there will always be problems. But I think the public, by being more educated about these issues, will be more careful in what they are reading. And on that point, Pythagoras, uh, as we come to a close, maybe, maybe some advice for businesses. Um, we, we touched on some of the technology or that technology could help. But I'm just wondering, are there, are there other things that, that they should be looking at, such as, I don't know, understanding that they even have a problem <laughs> with this in the first place? Can yeah, you give exactly. a, a few steps to help organizations understand how to analyze the situation in, with respect to how they run their business? The identification of these problems is... Um, is definitely uh, one of the first steps. I would say even before that is to recognize that there is some risk. It might not happen to, to a particular business, but at the same time, as these risks are increasing, it might occur more frequently. So they should recognize that there is a risk. And then they should think, what can we do if this scenario happens to us? For example, in the case of a pizzeria or um, you know, a restaurant or, you know, in a simple, small and medium-sized enterprises. How are they going to react to that? And then um, it's up to them to decide uh, to invest in using some of the technologies um, uh, to combat that. For example, identifying information which might be um, a defamation to them. So, and again, it's how you value these things. Um, so these are some, some initial steps. And of course, we are talking about small and medium-sized enterprises. When it becomes to bigger enterprises, it becomes a more acute problems, problem. Um, misinformation and disinformation might be related to more sophisticated uh, cyber attacks. So as you said before, it might be part of social engineering. And of course, this is not going to happen to, uh, to this to the small and medium-sized enterprise, it will happen to more uh, to, to bigger enterprises, and there will be more stakes uh, by competitors or foreign nations, etc. But we should recognize that this is um, this is a threat. Uh, this is an increasing risk, and um, think about what we can do. And from the time that there is more thinking about it, there will be more demand for some services, and there will be more innovation in the sector. As Marco said, blockchain might be a solution. We might see also some other technologies coming up. There are already some technologies. Again, why these technologies have not been applied? Probably because these risks have not been sufficiently recognized. Mm -hmm. It's an infodemic that touches us all in some way, directly yeah, or indirectly. I, I, I want to close with a, with, a, with a positive thought, just for a change. I'm not the bringer of... <laughs> of You're going back of, to pizza? Of, <laughs> No, no, none there. Not that positive. Okay. Not that positive. Um, it, let's picture this uh, with the word infodemic. I mean, it's something that we need to learn how to live with. And I'm wondering if maybe, as you, and you mentioned this, uh, Pythagoras, uh, people are going to start to be 
used to use their common sense to understand and, and be aware of the fact that, yeah, just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's on a paper doesn't mean it's true. There's still be people that are going to read the tabloid and they're going to enjoy it. I don't know if they're going to believe it or not that the Martian came down on Earth uh, five minutes ago to steal a pizza somewhere again. But I think we'll get maybe less... Uh, less affected by it as, as, as we go, as we understand that. Uh, that's a positive note for a change. Yeah, I always believe in people and societies. And um, I believe that when we recognize that there is something going wrong, we can definitely fight uh, mm. against yeah. it. And, you know, we can look at uh, different uh, sources of information. For example, a friend of mine sent me a couple of days ago about the potential mergers of, of some companies. And I said, mm, this sounds a little bit suspicious, although it was very well presented uh, in the link that you said. Obviously, it was fake news, which could have impact on the stock price. Immediately, the companies uh, said that this was uh, fake news. But when you see something which is weird, then you go and look at other sources mm -hmm. and you probably go and look at more reliable sources, government mm -hmm. information. And this goes uh, to about public health issues. Um, I'm not saying that, uh, um, you know, people can decide which opinion to, um, to adopt. But at the same time, um, I think for everyone is very useful to look at different opinions. And this is what our societies, our Western societies have always encouraged diversity diversity of information and then you decide which information to add, uh, to, add, to get to adopt yep. yep as long as the choice is pizza i'll always decide pizza <laughs> 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 on, a, on a serious note um uh, th this is fantastic i'm i'm really glad you did this research pythagoras and and uh for those listening um hopefully you found this both interesting and uh insightful and there will be a link to the article, The Three Horsemen of Cyber Risks. And uh, Thagros, thanks for, thanks for joining us and uh, hope to have you on again soon. Thank you very much. And uh, this is what we create now, an informal partnership between academia and, uh, and, and journalism and society. And thank you. I think that, that's, that's very important uh, that you facilitate this conversation. I and we will we'll keep doing that. That's the that's promise. Thank you. Thank you. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. 
We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.